0: Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, finally dressed for fall, my good buddy and producer extraordinaire, Cameron. Dude, talk to me. October has finally hit. It took us about halfway through the month, but we got there.
1: Working the pullover, right? Like, that's the thing I look forward to every fall.
0: Yeah, dude, again, this has been a rough month because people always ask, why do you live in the Midwest? And the answer is... October, okay, that's the answer. That's it, and we haven't we've been robbed of our October, right? So it's nice to have a for real like that time of year, right? It's brisk, it's brisk, baby. Uh, anyway, Cameron, we actually have quite a bit more magic to talk about this week. You and I have both been playing a little bit, and there's been a ban, restricted, rebalanced, all that stuff announcement. (laughs) Um, that we're going to talk about our middle segment, and I think there's some kind of fascinating implications there, if nothing else. Yeah. But what have you been up to?
1: Yeah, well, I think we can just say, uh, uh, standard colon, no changes. Uh, oh, <laughs> so, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, standard. Uh, I've been playing quite a bit still on MTG Arena. Like, I was busy Friday night, so I wasn't able to go out to play cards and paper, uh, it's two weeks in a row, and that really hurts. But arena's there; it's the band aid. Um, I'm. I, I, I said and the uh, the thing. It's not really brewing. It's taking somebody else's list and like trying to figure out uh, just refining with with the Cameron. Salt Our version day, of brewing, right? right? Our yeah, version of yeah. brewing. Uh, so I mean, I was convinced, dude. Convinced. Uh, when I hung up with you on the phone call last week, that. Alrin's borrowed time. It's gonna happen this week, and you know, here we go. Nothing. So um, I was super bummed about that. But in the meantime, I have been playing um, this Esper list that I like, not fully tuned, but I'm digging it. And it's not running Alrin's Epiphany. Uh, it's running Emerith Desert Doom, Nico Eris which is like that uh, Planeswalker that costs X white, blue, blue, and oh, it yeah. allows you to create an enchantment to sacrifice. and Some shards an or inter- whatever? Yeah, the shards. Not a great Planeswalker. Like we're talking that's a chaff pain- Planeswalker at best, but within the context of this deck, it's kind of interesting. Um, and the card that actually I, I've been having like the best success with and a thing that I would like to talk about is Meat Hook Massacre which is the The enchantment costs two and X. You pay X and then each creature on the battlefield gets minus X, minus X. On top of um, whenever a a creature you control dies, your opponent lose one life. And whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, uh, you gain a life. So it's just like a classic black card that I really, really dig. Um, And using that in combination with Doomscar, which is still the best removal spell, I think, in standard right now. um, It works pretty well. I'm running, like, Vanishing Verse as well, which against, like, the mono-white opponent has just, like, I can wreck them. It's great. Um And surprisingly, Jawari Disruption, which I don't know if the blue-red lists are running this, like, it's been, like, A surprise hit for me. Like, it definitely on the play, I'm playing it. um, it, If I'm on the draw, I'm removing them on the second go-around. But they definitely have utility, and they're a great little gotcha card that um, has been working fairly well. So, I don't know. Like, playing like the Esper list, playing the Blue Light list, at the end of the day, I'm asking myself, why am I not playing blue eyed dragons because that's really i think the best control list the best deck that you could be playing right now um and i'm just really surprised to this day that we're still running all runs epiphanies uh yeah so
0: i i ha- look i've just kind of given into the fact that i'm just a total homer for this standard um because there's a good blue black control deck and <laughs> and that's just home to me yeah. And I love looking at different people's versions of this deck. I love playing the different win cons. I like seeing how light on win cons I can get and how heavy on answers I can get. Right? I don't know if you've seen the... Do you know what the card Go Blank
1: does? Mm, mm, no.
0: It, it's three... This card just wrecks blue-red decks. It is two and a black for... They have to discard two cards and exile their entire graveyard. Okay? Okay. <laughs> okay and the words of one indiana jones now you're getting nasty right (laughs) it is (laughs) it is really fun stuff and like you know now we're main decking duresses uh i always karen whatever the people have in their list for number of memory deluges, i always up that sucker to four let's go right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh but all the different like answers and ways that you can tune that deck and it can really hard target the blue-red deck. The problem is when you do that, you're kind of giving away the green matchup. Um, and so yeah. you kind of just have to make peace with that a little bit. But um, I, I love all the variations of the blue-black. I, just full disclosure, I like it so much, I can't get off it to play the blue-white deck, which is also very much my style. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the blue-red deck, I Like you, I think it's the best all-around deck. Uh, I can't believe All Runs Epiphany is still just kind of allowed to be around. Um, To be honest, and again, this might be play skill, who I'm plating against, sample size, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The mono-white decks and kind of the mono-green decks have not impressed me that much lately. Like, Mm -hmm. even when you lose to them, it just kind of feels like, meh. Um, (laughs) Especially the mono-white deck, and I don't know, again... If that's because I'm on blue-black. But it kind of just feels like I have a lot of good matchups. My worst matchups are just kind of fringe things. Like, I lost horribly today to a rogues deck. Right? That Hmm. I just didn't have, like, adequate answers to. Because you build so much to what's already, like, the metagame. But yes. Love, love, love that deck. Let me tell you what I didn't love, Cameron. Was my time in Historic. I decided to kind of tiptoe back in. Mm -hmm. and see what was going on as we're about to cover lots of bands. And so I just thought, you know what? Step one, let's play Phoenix, right? And I played six matches, I think. Literally every opponent was on some kind of mono white or white green Maverick style hate bears deck. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But specifically Esper Sentinel Sentinel into uh, Thalia, it just kind of became this repetitive play pattern. And yeah, it's pretty good against Phoenix. Like, post-board, I have sweltering suns, and sometimes I could get those off, and then I could get them, and then other times I could, whatever. But the, the truth of the matter is, is like, they kind of nerfed this format down to a level where, okay, now we're in this, like, you know, hate bears matches. But if you look... They've printed a lot more hate bears lately than they have, <laughs> and so you kind of end up with all these restrictions on you. It kind of feels like you're playing against Legacy Workshops more than hmm. Maverick or Legacy Death and Taxes. Where yes, those things would re- restrict your mana, but there was also like Stoneforge Mystics and Flickerwisp. Right now, yeah. it's Vryn Wingmare, you know uh, the, oh, the 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 three man Elite Spellbinder, Thalia s for sentinel like all that stuff and then you can kind of wrap it up into other things and again i know people are going to say but curtis you love maverick i love maverick when maverick is the maverick choice to make i don't love it when it's clearly the choice to make does that make sense
1: sure yeah
0: um that being said i also find historic to be very samey um and this was me playing it on a sunday and a Saturday, like in the middle of the day in the Midwest here, and I had a ton of wait time for matches. So I don't know if the format is maybe less popular or they were taking their time like matching me up with people, but Phoenix seemed fine. I mean, there's not much to report there. You've lost Brainstorm. For some crazy reason, Faithless Looting is still acceptable in this format. Um, I'm playing Dragon Rage Channeler in that version, and that card is quite, quite good you might expect um and I've not seen any any of the exclusive arena cards (laughs) so it kind of just felt like those things never happened which Hmm. is uh, a strange place to be um Cameron do you think you'll ever touch historic
1: again or are you still out I get a little curious every once in a while and maybe one of these days I'll come back I mean it is one of the very few formats right now where I can Cast a young pyromancer, you know, so, um, and it feels good. It feels good to do that. Um, so maybe one of these days it just, it it has felt good, honestly, to not be in that rat race of card accumulation where I feel like I just have to get everything in order to play every deck. Um, it's been really nice to just be able to focus in on standard and then some paper standard and legacy. Call it good.
0: Yeah, and I would say still, even when this, you know, blue red versus mono green versus some form of control versus some form of mono white, I still think standard is a little bit more decision rich um, than. I mean, and this is maybe maybe we've just gotten to a place where I'm just not a non rotating format guy anymore. I think Hmm. maybe that's just what it is. The way that they've designed cards, the non non rotating formats, excluding Legacy, really. Uh, have kind of become solitaire offs. And I'm just not interested. I, I mean, and again, I know someone's going to message me and say, don't you play storm in modern? Uh, this is true. But I also think maybe I'm the one that's being honest about what we're doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So anyway, Cameron, let's get out of this segment, come back and talk about the uh, band restricted rebalancing. All right, Cameron. So weirdly, I feel like this is maybe the first banned and restricted announcement that's happened in many years that you and I did not exchange a text message over. (laughs) So I have no idea what you think of any of this. Every single other one before this, we have, like, messaged each other while we've been doing this show, like, hey, what do you think? Holy cow, you know. Um, I still remember where I was sitting when Reflector Mage got banned. that <laughs> <had> <laughs> Wrongly accused, Cameron, wrongly accused. Oh, dude, so right? Um, but if you click on this article, uh, this is one of the longest B&R, R&Bs that have ever been. Uh, but I'm interested in... So let's just start with the high-level stuff. Tybalt's Trickery, banned in Historic. Memory Lapse, suspended in Historic brainstorm is banned from suspended so i mean do we need to talk about aaron's epiphany not getting banned i mean how much do you have to say there besides i, I mean
1: we i've said my piece nobody wants to hear me complain about that card anymore
0: yeah i would also say you can tell how hooked into someone the metagame someone is with how much they're talking about Asikas chariot like they mentioned that in the article but it's like dude have you been playing the last two weeks like yeah who cares about the chariot anymore Like, the Ren and Seven Chariot thing? Are you kidding me? Like, I don't even know the last time that that's, like, happened to me in a match of magic. (laughs) Like, it's just not on the radar anymore. Yeah,
1: yeah. Anyway, uh,
0: so, let's go through these. What do you think, man?
1: Uh, You know, what is interesting to me is when Memory Lapse, Brainstorm, and all those other historic cards were released, um, gosh, when was that? Like, six months ago or whatever. Um, I remember being very bummed that Counterspell was not part of that. Um, You know, it was being printed or whatever, or released, but it was just an automatic, it's not going to be in Historic. And I thought, well, I think that's actually really good for the format. Memory Lapse being suspended, does it play a different role than Counterspell? And it, I mean, because if memory lapse is too good for counterspell, or too good for historic, is counterspell too good for historic? Because in my mind, his, I still feel like counterspell, yes, it is the best counterspell second to force of will that you could be playing in most situations. Um, but that's the one that got me the most interested just because I think it is the most abusable, the most loopable thing you can do. Um, and I'm just kind of curious what you think, I guess, as far as like, is Counterspell too good for the format? Because clearly it seems like it might be.
0: Uh, I think it would have been one of the better cards. I think the lower the power of the format, the better Memory Lapse is. Um, first of all, shout out to Homelands, the off malign set the Memory Lapse was printed in. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, I'd have to double check, but I believe this is the first card to ever be suspended slash banned slash restricted as a card from homelands that doesn't involve anti or something like that so i mean notable like in the landscape yeah. in the history of magic everybody says homelands has got no power level well we're looking at banned card from homelands right now <laughs> so you tell me um anyway i i do think memory lapse has a deeper like psychological effect on people than maybe the quality of the card but Two blue versus one and a blue for functionally like the same effect is super relevant, right? Um, The mana is really good in Historic, so maybe that wouldn't matter. But it is weird to think like Archmage's Charm is legal in Historic. Mm -hmm. And while that is three mana, it is blue, blue, blue. And like you you almost never see it, or at least you rarely see it. Mm -hmm. Um, But that got printed in the Historic Horizon. So I think the control deck was definitely the best deck. And this certainly played a role. And it's nice that Control has to recalibrate a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think in terms of balancing what the format is in Historic is fine. But again, you get into this, like, and we can get into this with Brainstorm. What exactly was the thought process here? Because some, like you said, some of those cards were not legal, deemed too powerful, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, t- I'm here to tell you, I think Swords to Plowshares would have been one of the best cards in Historic. I don't think there's any way it would have been banned. Um, and so, you know, we kind of lived in this world where some of those mystical archives were allowed, some were not. Um, Lightning Bolt, I think, is, again, one of those interesting, like, hmm, would that have ended up here or not? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, like, what was the other ones that weren't legal? Demonic Tutor, Dark Ritual.
1: yeah, Dark Rit, um, yeah. There, there was a few
0: of them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Brainstorm moving from suspended to banned is like, hey, I guess I can have my wild cards now. Thanks. Yeah. Um, the EV, Like the biggest slam dunk ever, right?
1: Really, right? Dude, if, if you
0: if we were to travel back in time and to tell Cameron of the past, hey, Brainstorm is going to get banned within a year of being in the format, you'd be like,
1: yeah, of course. Yeah. Card is way yeah. too good. Although I would be asking myself, why is Faithless Looting not like literally right behind it? Um, That's the slow burn card. Like I feel like it's the one like, oh, it's totally fine. And then, you know, the world is burning around you because of Faithless Looting. It's like, no, it's all good, man. It's totally fine. It defines the format.
0: So you're saying we are the frogs, and the Faithless Looting is the water, the boiling water. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I like it. No, I. And again with this. The format has to adjust, but I'm really having trouble getting a feel for the popularity of Historic. It's because tough. I know that we have talked about it less, but just anecdotally, like, you know, I listen to most of the top podcasts for Magic. They seem to have talked about Historic a lot less lately, too. So I don't know, you know, and maybe I'm, I could be way off base, but it's probably a combination of all the drain cards rotating out, Icoria rotating out standard being a hot thing but it's like dude when i throw on my twitter feed it's literally people want to talk about standard commander and then the third shot third thing is flesh and blood like i just Mm -hmm. don't see historic in the same i I think they've done some damage i would love to see the metrics right because this is me just Mm -hmm. shooting from the hip i think they've done some damage to this format through these printings these suspensions like the aggressive way in which they're asking you to acquire mm-hmm. the cards. I don't. We're not alone here is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say something, and this is just coming straight from the bottom of my heart. The reason I have not played Historic, the number one reason, is because of the fourth bullet point here on our list of Historic bannings. Five digital-only cards are being rebalanced. They're able to rebalance cards instead of just owning up to being able to make a mistake. Yes, you printed a card, but guess what? We printed it. It was a hard thing that we sent out into the world, and we either have to own up to it or ban it. And now we have this weird thing that I just I I absolutely hate. I, to the bot like to the core, Curtis, I hate this. We're just going to be able to make like little tweaks to a digital-only product now. Don't like it.
0: Yeah, but and again, there's so many things. So let so let me just clear up what you're saying before yeah. we really go on this tangent, because <laughs> we will also Tibble's trickery, dumb card. Glad it's banned. goodbye. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> Not much to say there. It enabled a dumb combo. I can't believe they printed it. Um, they want the, They're they're rebalancing five cards. And <laughs> essentially, they've nuked a deck by doing this. Because there was a way to permanently give something uh, minus whatever, minus whatever. And then you could loop it, right? Like Revel Arc style to you know endlessly gain life or endlessly drain your opponent or whatever. So <laughs> they made these changes to these cards. But don't worry, Cameron. If you crafted these cards, guess what? No refund for you. No wild cards for you. No mm-hmm. options for you. Hey, we rebalanced them. It's magic. And I guess that was meant like figuratively, not literally, this is magic. Because this is not magic. Right? You're like there is something to the design of the the permanence of the design of magic cards. This is what's on the card. And yeah, there's been errata, like, you know, Teferi is untapping two lands. It doesn't have to untap two lands. That was a errata that came down the pipe. There's those little things. But, you're right, there is some kind of comfort to, like, hey, if you guys make a mistake, we got to ban this card. Because it is printed in ink on this card forever, the end. And by the way, we're talking about banning just for competitive play, right? You can still Mm -hmm. play Oko on your tabletop, that's fine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, the problem with this is, it's like they look at Hearthstone, they look at all these other digital games, and they want what those games do, but they don't want the, the difficult things about that. For example, in Hearthstone, if I were to have a bunch of cards that got rebalanced, I could dust those. I can effectively turn them into other cards, granted at a different rate, but I can turn them into whatever currency, and then Alakazam, I could use to make another deck. Yep. Or at least reduce the cost of another deck. Magic the Gathering, your arena client, doesn't do that. If I get these rebalanced after I dropped, I mean, five cards times however many wild cards... Right, so what is that? I think it's you know some number of rares, some number of mythics mm-hmm. here that you are rebalancing, and I just don't have any outlet. I'm just stuck. And that's a crappy thing to do to people, man. Um, it's also kind of lazy design to say, hey, we're going to use this as an experimental thing. We're going to make you guys the guinea pigs. Oh, sorry about that. You had to cash in a bunch of wild cards, which effectively mean like I don't know what the actual dollar amount per wild card is. Um, But it's not nothing, right? Um, And this has made me really hate Historic. Sounds like you're in the same boat. Absolutely. Um, And I just, like, who wants, this is the thing I don't, it just feels like it's so company driven. Who wants this? I don't, I don't get that. I don't understand who's like, you know what, man, if there were magic cards that you couldn't get in paper, that would be sweet. I've never heard anyone say this.
1: It's a different product. (laughs) I mean, at the end of, yeah. And like, what they did essentially was create, um, like they, they created a magic, um, cart, like board game that exists and has like these elements of magic, but I have no interest now into playing it because it's, it just doesn't go back to, I am just I guess I'm a stick in the mud when it comes to this game. I want my paper game. I want to have that ability with every single format. And you splitting it and creating this digital only thing, like these digital only cards, I should say, um, like instantly, I, I just lost all interest in like what they're doing. I just don't care. It's it's no longer for me.
0: And I and the thing that I don't like is when people, again, talk to people like you and I, like we're just total Luddites, and we don't understand how video games work, how all these other things work. And it's just like, dude, I interact with this stuff all the time. The thing that makes magic special is that there's a physical component. Mm-hmm. And to rob it of that just seems dumb. Setting aside for a minute the kind of you know, game restoration element of magic, right, mm-hmm. um, which... Watsi has done just a completely awful job. <laughs> like completely terrible. But uh I just don't want that and I feel like there's a lot of people that don't want that and a lot of people like you Cameron that were spending money previously that are not. And again, please don't take this as, "Oh, they're killing magic. Oh, we're all going to walk out and blah blah blah." It's just like, no. no. You can do a little bit of damage to your brand with a poor decision, and that's what this is. And it reminds me Like, I can't believe I'm using Nintendo as a good example. But here we are, Cameron. All the time, people are like, Nintendo needs to get with the times. They don't do this and this right. But guess what? When you go to buy a Nintendo product, you are getting a very certain thing, and people take comfort in the fact that they're getting that. And it's worked for Nintendo to the tune of a billion dollars and many decades of success. So, like, you could have that here. This is what, you know... And use whatever company you want, right? That like is the outlier, but like constantly chasing down Hearthstone, Valorant, like we could go on down this list, is a waste of time. And it mm-hmm. just feels like this is what these this executive team wants. It's like, hey, instead of being the best card game in the world, we really want to be a B tier digital game. And yeah, it's not worked out. Like the strategy hasn't worked. Like look at the Twitch numbers. You know, nobody's like, oh man. Uh, digital-only historic cards, let's watch all day on Twitch. That doesn't happen, man. Yeah. And all you've done is you've unplugged a bunch of old-timers like you and I. Oh, well. Yeah. Anyway, did you have anything to add to this, Cameron? I'm sorry.
1: I mean, I think that's really what it comes down to, is that like I feel like the company has said the Saturday afternoon tournament that you want to go to, Cameron – is not as important as this digital thing that we want you to do on Twitch or whatever. It's like they are ignoring the very fundamental thing of, like, what makes magic great. Um, And I just don't need that, especially post-2020 COVID. I want every in-person thing in paper as much as possible. And, like, they are are ruining that for me. And, and all these other companies
0: that have these things that they're chasing like you think blizzard wouldn't kill for an in-person hearthstone community in every small town in America like right? they would kill for that right you had that you had that in hand and i mean i i think it's a strategic decision or but maybe it's not maybe it's just neglect i don't know i don't know um but yeah like Sorry, we're like extrapolating this way out. <laughs> These cars are a terrible idea. They continue to be a terrible idea. Reading yep. this article reinforces that they're a terrible idea. And the best thing you could do is the next BNR announcement, you should ban them all, admit your mistake, give everybody their wild cards back for them, wash your hands of the whole thing and grow like grow a spine <laughs> and make it right. And make it right uh, and rejuvenate your interest in historic, but Again, I'm sure I'm going to hear that I'm like way off base and being a crazy old man, etc. All right, Cameron. Well, uh, let's get out of this segment. Speaking of being a crazy old man, we're going to talk about some old video games. (laughs) We'll be right back. (laughs) All right, Cameron. So we're going to go down this video game rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Apparently, you're just feeling Metroid, huh? So you finished Metroid Dread, big thumbs up
1: big thumbs up uh a very challenging game very it, it, um how do I, it, it felt very quick in some ways even though it was hard and i died a lot and played some of those boss levels a lot a lot um it still felt like a very quick playthrough um and now it's just a matter of like kind of playing through it and getting the 100% all those, like, fun, like, little unique challenges and puzzles that are within the game. It's a great game. Highly, highly recommend it. Um, but for me, the better game, the, the ultimate game, <laughs> is Metroid Prime. And um, I'm revisiting this. I had bought this. I, I've played it I don't know how many times on the GameCube. I picked up, like, the Wii version that, like, remapped the controls for the Wii. So I'm playing that on my uh, my little... <laughs> A historical archive of video games that I have over here, and just, uh, I picked it up and played the first four hours of Metroid Prime. And if you're a listener out there who ha- has a GameCube or a Wii, has access to Metroid Prime, I think Metroid Prime is probably one of maybe, I don't know, two or three video games from that era on the GameCube that you absolutely must play. It's a must-play. It's, um... It is so good. The the way that they were able to extrapolate the 2D Metroid of Super Metroid into a 3D world so elegantly um is really incredible. Like I mean it's like the best in my opinion better than like Mario or Zelda as far as like that transition to 3D. I think they just did a really great expression of, of that game in a 3D world and made it something completely new. Um, it, it, the soundtrack is great. The, s- the graphics surprisingly hold up for being 20 years old. Um, super good. Um, so like, just going down that nostalgia rabbit hole, dude, it's, um, it's a really great game.
0: Uh, yeah, and uh, runs at 60 frames a second, <laughs> which is a big deal for that era. Yeah. Um you know where the the Nintendo 64 like Zelda and Mario that you were referencing, they ran in like the mid 20s mostly. Mm. Yeah, you know, like if you were to sit down and play them now, which some people are about to because they're going to re- re-release those on Switch for the Switch online, uh what they're not smooth experiences at all, where this very much is. Mm-hmm. Um I think the the hardest thing is is if you're picking it up on GameCube is getting used to how you have to do the look controls. Um Yeah. Because they are significantly different. Uh, supposedly, they've been reworking that trilogy for Switch for a while now. Um, and Give it
1: to me. <laughs> Just feed it to my veins, <clears throat> man. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I, I think the first one is great, and the second one, unfortunately, veers off into uh, it's a little more obscure and a little bit too challenging for what they like. It's not challenging in the way that Dark Souls and Demon Souls are, where it's like it's very clear how you messed up or why it's challenging. There yeah. are points in Metro Prime 2 where it's like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing or why this is going wrong. Uh, and I never played 3. Yeah. Because it was Wii three only.
1: Is, is, yeah, that was only on the Wii. It, it's fine, but I mean, it, it just didn't really feel it to have the same magic sauce as that first game. And to your point, uh, the second one, Echoes, um, I do enjoy that game, but to me, the reason that game doesn't work is because of the limitations of how those controls work and the difficulty of what they set it at. So, like, they ratcheted up the difficulty, but even though I really do like the controls, some of the things that they're asking to do, like, where you half-hold down the X button while pushing the A button to aim and strafe, just didn't fully work, um, especially for, like, lock-on sort of things where you had to manually do that. So... I'm um, going way down to the rabbit hole but yeah that game it's good but its limitations were because of the controls and mechanics that were kind of already built into that game the dna of the game
0: Yeah and uh, I mean I'm sure there's like not so legal ways to get prime but I'm sure it's a cheap game to pick up on GameCube now oh, right It like, has to be I'm sure I'm sure that, that, you could
1: go to like a used store or eBay or something and find it
0: Yeah it can't be it can't be that terribly rare but uh no, dude, I, I've actually revisited that a couple years ago, played through the prologue and, like, up to the first boss kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, still plays beautifully. Like, it, yeah, it's, it's really something. Um, so uh, I do want to mention before I get into Castlevania, um, this game Back for Blood. Have you seen this advertised? you know what this
1: is? Don't know what this is.
0: Well, I mean, look. Hey, all it is, is it's the team that made the Left 4 Dead. They okay. are making, but it's Back for Blood, Left 4 Dead is owned by Valve. And the reason I just want to bring this up is, it is a Game Pass game. So I just downloaded it real quick, and I played like two missions. And hey, if you're looking for that, a co-op, like this would be a fun thing to do with buddies. But if you're looking for a co-op somewhat linear like this is not a horde mode kind of thing it Mm -hmm. is you going through these chapter missions yeah there are tasks that you have to accomplish and sometimes you have to defend points or whatever but it is not like um you know halo or gears of war horde mode where it's like hey you're in this room we're just going to keep throwing waves at you it's a little bit more uh driven than that narratively driven and they randomize things uh so if you're looking for that and i love this mode on resistance fall of man 2 that was very much mm. this. It actually came out mm-hmm. like a month before Left for Dead, but a very similar kind of thing, where it's just like you're with this team, and each but everybody's got powers. And this they they give you bots. Vermintide games, which are Warhammer, uh, that that is that only with you know swords and bows and arrows and stuff. Um, so if you ever want to feel like you're, you know, leaving the the bridge of Khazad Dûm with the orcs, you know, <laughs> you, you go in the Vermintide direction. Um, but anyway, the problem is is they've also decided to stack on a bunch of, like, like the attachment system from Apex or PUBG, the, like, kind of a loot thing, like, from Destiny. Hmm. And then they do a Counter-Strike store at the beginning of all these missions, and it's like, guys, why? Why do we have all these things in shooters? I just don't want it anymore. And... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to explain this and it's like we live in this weird world where like Call of Duty campaigns are like the purest expression of a shooter now. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Right? Everything else has got loot and you got to grind and you got to get your perks and you got to you got to get this power and you got like even the new Doom, there were so mm-hmm. many like and I didn't get nearly as far into it, but there were so many things going on. It's like I just want to run and shoot demons with mm-hmm. heavy metal music in the background. I don't need to... Oh, man, I need armor, so I got to use the flame attachment. Like, stop.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: And this, you just want to run through with some buddies. Anyway, I just play with randoms, and once you get all that stuff out of the way, dude, it's Left for Dead. And it's a okay. ton of fun. Uh, even, like, the played-out zombie motif, which I think we can all agree is, like, enough is enough already. My God. Um, it's it's a good game, and, like, it's the perfect Game Pass game, Right. Because like if you and your friends have it on Game Pass, you can do an evening of it. Yeah, call it good. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I want to talk more about Castlevania, Cameron. And so I, I, got, I talked
1: more about Metroid. So yes, let's let's yes. go down
0: that rabbit hole. <laughs> so basically, I, I, and I mentioned this, I never played any of these Advance games. It right, Game Boy Advance. Let me clarify that. What a weird system situation we're living in with the Game Boy Advance and that there are some masterpieces on that system that you <laughs> just cannot get. And I looked up some of this stuff because I heard that the collector's market is going crazy. Yeah. Um this Castlevania Aria of Sorrow game that I'm about to talk to, around a hundred bucks used. Um, you know, you can get like fake carts uh for like, you know, twelve or fifteen, but then at that point, why aren't you just like, you know, just emulating it or sure, something. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to pirate it, why, why are you even getting a case? It's so strange. <laughs> but anyway, um, it's, you can get it legally through this uh, Game Boy Advance. It's called Castlevania Advance Collection. And I mentioned it last week. Well, I was like, I'm going to play these in order and play Circle of the Moon first. Circle of the Moon was a launch game for the Game Boy Advance, okay? And I'm really digging it. And then like three or four hours in, I get to this thing where basically you have to dash all the time every jump can only be made by you dashing and so like every time you're moving in any direction you have to double tap forward to have any hope of making any of these jumps on any of these platforms i thought this is kind of absurd like and also makes it difficult with like the medusa heads and levels like that which are already we'll say challenging Mm -hmm. well of course i go back and listen to an episode of retronauts which is this really great retro Mm -hmm. video game podcast um they're way too harsh on Sega, but that's another story. Um, but their Castlevania retrospective, they talk about this, and they're like, yeah, apparently this game was not made by the actual Castlevania team, and there's a bunch of design issues as you go through the game, like you always having to dash. They're like, Aria of Sorrow, which is the third game in this collection, and the final game on Game Boy Advance, is the masterpiece. And that's what I've been playing, Cameron, and I'm here to tell you, it's freaking great. Like, it is the sequel to Symphony of the Night that I never really knew I wanted, or, or I shouldn't say I okay. wanted, but I didn't know existed. And it's worth the 20 bucks within of itself, right? Yeah. It's like the middle game is supposedly also good, but I just wanted to jump to the best one because i you know, limited time. But it's really great. Like, you forget about this style of 2D game that I can have on, and I can also listen to a podcast. I can also play it for, like, 15 minutes or an hour or whatever, yeah. where it's like... um I'm brain farting the game, the PS5 game that I keep wanting to go back to. Death Loop, Death yes, Death Loop. It's like I really want to devote like my winter break to it, kind of thing, mm-hmm. to really get into it. Whereas this, I can kind of do piecemeal. It also offers you like in-game rewinding, so That's the awesome. Ca- the Castlevania games are a little tough, so that can kind of help smooth this out a little bit. But the easiest twenty dollar recommendation. I mean it is a little dumb that I'm, you know, spent whatever on an Xbox Series X and I'm playing a Game Boy <laughs> Advance game on it. But uh yeah, dude, like there's no way to play a bunch of Game Boy Advance games.
1: What it's a cool. weird There's like that weird era of Game Boy Advance, Game Boy SP, where like there's like you said, just some really incredible games that came out right before the DS. And um yeah, I, I feel like That's just, like, a hole that you don't see any, like, unless you're really specifically looking for it, you're never going to find it just sitting on, like, a, you know, used game store shelf.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but, like, Advance Wars, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, these Castlevania games, there were Sonic games that were really good uh, on the Game Boy Advance. You know, I think a lot of people, re like, for me, I learned Final Fantasy IV this way playing it on the Game Boy Advance. Um, so there, all that stuff got re-released. A lot of Super Nintendo hits, right? But there was some really good stuff here. And, like, <laughs> there's just no respect, no mention of it. But instead, and look, I love the Sega Genesis, but why do I care that that's coming to Switch Online when there's like a million ways to play all the Genesis hits, yeah. right? Yeah, Like, look in your back pocket. You probably have a copy <laughs> of Sega Genesis hits. Um, it's so weird. But anyway, yeah, I, shout out to the GBA, a very like grossly underrated system yeah. in the history of video games. So anyway, Cameron, if someone would like to get at you and talk to you about their Game Boy Advance collection, where could they find you?
1: That's all on Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy.
0: And I'm at Curtis now. Our official show feed is at Spike MTG. We'll check you guys next week. Would that be the brrb
1: the brb
0: be right back bbrb <laughs>